Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. Shut, shut up. Shut <laughs> Thank you up. for uh, for that one, guys. Welcome uh, to another mini-sode of Halloween is Forever. I'm Brian. I'm Meg. I'm Steve. <laughs> Do you know where that is? What's, you don't even know where that quote's from? It, it, what is that from? Like, it's something That I've creepy heard. quote? Sounds like... Uh, Sounds like a Simpsons thing for some reason, but well, because I did the little, because <laughs> I yeah. did, the... <laughs> yeah, no, that that is um, spoken by the great Gene Wilder in the family favorite Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, it is. Um, is but he just it is... like the whitewashed Candyman? Is that what we're gonna go with? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but Willy Wonka is in the Candyman cinematic universe. I mean, it's it, he is a Candyman <laughs> throughout a history. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, interestingly enough, apparently it is, which is uh, I was pretty excited to see in this movie. But we'll get into it. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, boys and girls. We are here for another mini-sode, and uh, we've already kind of uh, hinted at it, and we uh, dropped a couple hints there on the social medias, on the so- so- social medias, um, that we're going to be talking about the brand new 2021 Candyman, which just came out on Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. I saw it I saw it yesterday afternoon, been about 24 hours since I saw it. We did not see it together. Uh, we saw it on our own time. We had a busy weekend. But wh- when did you guys end up? Meg, you saw it on opening night, didn't you? I saw it Friday. Yeah. Oh, you saw and it on I, Friday. I came down to the wire. Like, I was working it into my weekend, and I was like, I'm going to buy this 5 p.m. ticket and have mm-hmm. to drive from Slippery Rock down to Pittsburgh and make it in time. <laughs> and yeah. I, yes, I fucking made it. Yeah, a mini I- cannonball run for <laughs> Meg's viewing. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I love the inserting the drama. I'm going to book a ticket at a movie theater that's 80 miles away for some reason. <laughs> they have movie theaters in Butler County, Meg. You know that, right? I was staying in Pittsburgh. Okay, come on. Give me okay, a break. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Steve, did you see it yesterday? I saw it I Saturday think. afternoon. And yeah, me too. Just, just a quick PSA to people. Mm. I had one of the worst theater experiences. Oh, no. And, and there was only five people in there. So Uh-oh. one person really went out of their way to be a fucking, like, it just a complete uncouth animal. Oh, Wait, was God. it a, okay. it was a, it was a movie goer that was the asshole. Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, okay. no, no, no. Because I was going to tote the place I went. Yeah, no, it, the movie I enjoyed, the theater was fine. It was a Cinemark, big enough, everybody, but literally there's only five of us in the theater at a noon 30 showing. Mm-hmm. This guy comes in and is eating snacks like an animal, like the Tasmanian devil. To the point that he's, he's like Meg trying to open a bag of chips <laughs> with her elbows. Worse, worse, because Meg doesn't get winded and wheeze. Get winded eating chips. This dude was getting winded eating popcorns Those and junior stupid. mints and drinking soda. Oh no! And then, ha- and then with like a half hour left in the movie, he fell asleep <laughs> and started wet snoring. Man, you are painting a portrait right now of this uh, guy. I it, was going to assume, I, I assumed you were going to say like, no, he was looking at his phone. He was talking. He was doing that stuff. No, he was just having a series of episodes. It sounds yeah. like. Yeah. He was just being an animal throughout the entire thing. <laughs> wow. And he was by himself. Yeah, he was by himself. There was only five of us. It was me, this Yinzer and mm-hmm. the, with a mustache and a Steelers <laughs> shirt, an older lady and a couple. Wow. And that was it. 
And yeah. out of Man. five people, he ruined it for most of us. Oh, you were painting such a word picture for me. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how did you know he was a Yitzer? It's like one of my first questions. Because he was wearing an Eric Pegram jersey. Yeah, because, yeah. I, I, because he was sitting behind me and I turned around and he had the Pittsburgh Midwest dad mustache yes. and a Steelers shirt. And I was did like, you just say what? a nap a lot? Like, like. Mm. He, he came to the theater to take a nap. He didn't care what movie yeah, he saw. Exactly. He just like, he's, he walked up to the ticket booth and said, which, which is the emptiest? Because I'm going to snooze. Right. Which yeah. is also why he probably powered down his snacks as fast as possible. You yeah. know, just just driving snacks into his face, gets yeah. winded. He caused a coughing jag in himself. He was eating so fast. So he's on top of snoring and eating heavy. He's coughing. Dying over here. Just, just I'm insane. A I'm a heavy. Sorry, I'm a heavy eater. Yeah. I'm and then uh, on top of it all, the lights come up. And around his chair is just a ring of popcorn and an empty Junior Mint box. Oh, just to being a slob. Yeah, just being a slob. Had no attempt at Damn. not being an asshole. Just, uh, yeah, just came disgusting. in to, like, wreck up the place and ruin people's day. I'm sorry I'm finding so much joy in your pain right now. <laughs> this is fucking hilarious. Oh, I've, like, I've been. I've been to this. I've been to a theater when somebody. I've been in a movie where somebody was snoring. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's hilarious warm. because it's just like. It, there's five of us you know yeah. you, you think on average <laughs> like i've been What's the last the time I, yeah the last time i was in the theater was avengers endgame it was completely packed mm -hmm. and it was fine like you know it's whatever right but like when you go in and there's only five of you and one of them is the tasmanian devil <laughs> with narcolepsy <laughs> you gotta like what the hell <laughs> well you know what too it's like when there's only that few people in there if it's a packed house you're hearing all types of stuff but it's just mm -hmm. part of the background noise right when yeah. there's only five people you hear exactly where it's coming from too yeah which is miserable and i've, yeah. I've been there I've, I've been in a theater uh with with someone snoring before too i i yeah that's that's unpleasant i had a similar experience in that there was only it was like 220 showtime matinee on saturday afternoon there was only maybe eight people in there uh, mm -hmm. but but did not have any tasmanian devils fortunately well, uh, yeah. for me but <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know if it's like people are just not going back to movies but i had a similar experience which just want to shout out hollywood theater in dormont because what yeah. i mean oh, it's a great the, at, great it's such spot. a good like i walked out and it she looked like she was the manager and she was just like what do you think of it and i was just like well why are you talking? That's amazing. Yeah. Like, you're like actually asking me about my experience, but like, there's nothing in. I love more than when movie theater employees are psyched about the movies. Yeah. Like, I just love that. I love that. But that so that's good. what you get at Hollywood, though, because like they actually love movies there. Like, yeah. 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 Like, and I, I wish like I lived closer to that place. It's super dope. It was my first time there, but I, and I didn't realize they only had the one theater, which I thought was really cool thing about mm -hmm. it because they have to like choose very selective movies but like i said i was running down to the wire showed up like walked in i'm like already had prepaid for my ticket and then i was just like okay i need small popcorn all the butter you can put on there went and like used the bathroom and it came back you're like, like you're gonna yes, need to get some go. assistance we got to do this quick i gotta get in this fucking theater <laughs> which i also want to point out i had caught this uh video somewhere on the social medias of this person who put straws in their popcorn so that they can then put filter butter to the bottom. Down to and the I'm bottom. Like, I'm like, oh, that's that a, is that's an ingenuity. I, I, I'm on. Stuff. Yeah, I'm on board for that level of ingenuity. <laughs> yeah. Snack that's, ingenuity. You know, oh, it'd be yeah. even better so if good. they replaced the straws with red vines. 
and actually put the butter down and <laughs> just spit beer all over herself. Oh my god! I'm just really upset that you just said that. <laughs> oh, make make the straws edible. That's what I'm here to add to the party. But you want you want buttery red vines? Yeah, like, you're fucking fuck? a right, Meg. I want buttery ah. red. Yes. I actually, speaking of buttery red vines, I actually grabbed some snacks. I think I posted something about it on the Instagram page. I grabbed some some spooky snacks. Uh, I feel bad sneaking snacks in the theater because I know it's a big part of you know their revenue stream and everything. But this is a big multiplex. I mean, fuck them. But also, I uh, I did buy uh, you know a five dollar and fifty cent large diet Pepsi. So mm. you know they got my money. But in any case, I brought in um, spooky. Uh, Junior Mints, because Junior Mints are the the once in future uh, snack uh, for for movies, along with uh, Raisinets in my mind. So I got that. What and is they, the spook- they t- wait? Pause. Uh, what is the spooky version of a Junior Mint? I it's haven't seen just these yet. The, the inside, the white peppermint cream on the inside is just orange. It oh, tastes okay. exactly the same. It, okay. In fact, I was in a dark theater, Much so I couldn't even tell the difference. Yeah, I couldn't even tell the difference. But I like I, I felt good about buying them at, at, at the Giant Eagle. Um, and then I also had a um, I couldn't resist candy corn flavored red vines what? but they oh, did not taste even remotely like candy corn they actually had a weird almost like caramely type of mm. flavor to them mm. they were fucking delicious oh um, okay. they were really like good <laughs> no they were great and and like and and kate even was like they almost taste like a caramel apple like i feel like they're mm. mislabeled because they don't taste Shit. anything like they really and truly taste absolutely nothing like candy corn um but but in a very good way so if that, you get a chance that, try them out that's bullshit you know why why because <laughs> it's gonna trick people into thinking candy corn tastes good <laughs> You know what? It was weird because if I was expecting candy corn, I mean, if I was like craving candy corn, I would have been, um, I would have been disappointed. But you know, who eats candy corn in movie theater? I mean, I right. would, I guess, if they sold it there, but because I love it. But the seasonally, they totally should. I'm, I'm on but, board for this. But when I'm eating red vines, I'm getting them for the texture. I'm not getting them for for the for the unique flavor nuance <laughs> of a red vine. Like they taste, they're fucking plastic. You know, cherry flavored plastic. It's just. You know, if, if I feel like that's Limp Bizkit's pe- new album title, <laughs> cherry flavored plastic yeah. <laughs> and the hot dog flavored water, yeah, yeah. <laughs> chocolate starfish and the and the grape or in the uh, candy corn red vines, um, yeah. But it was it was blast. I'll tell you what, uh, and we'll get into it in a second. But man, I, I it was felt really good to get back in the theater. I love I've first time I've been in theater. I think you guys same right in probably a year, eighteen months. Um, yeah, yeah, it's probably even longer for me on that one. But yeah, yeah, and and it was. I I'd, I'd seen a bunch of movies at the at the you know drive-in and stuff in the last you know couple of years, but you know it it had been nearly eighteen months since I've been in the theater, and it it this movie Candyman especially, I'm really glad that I went and saw it in the in the mm-hmm. theaters because the cinematography, the sound design, everything like really came through in a big way, and I I just walked out of that place on cloud nine, um, which was uh, which was. It was just so much fun, and it was just by myself, you know. I, mm-hmm. I, it just was really fun to be back, uh, be back in the theater. But before we get into the actual movie itself, uh, let's talk about some beers. Anybody got beers? Yeah, dude. I um, so like I said, I was staying in Pittsburgh all weekend, so uh, I was dealing with my friend's stash, and I'm really excited. She had some burgers brewing. Deutschtown pills. Ooh, I like, cranked through a whole bunch of that. Yeah, it's so fucking good. I love that those guys over there. They're the closest brewery to my house. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so and they have obviously have great great food. They have great burgers and stuff there as well. 
Shout out um, that and great fried, fried chicken. chicken. Yeah. yeah, that <laughs> Korean fried chicken is so fucking good. You know, when you get an entire plate of Korean fried chicken as an appetizer, that's me every time I go there. And Neil's a great dude, and he's a, he's a really good brewer and stuff too. Yeah. And um, and so yeah, that I'm I they're in Shubru because they're like right you know near me. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend spend a lot of time there and uh, and eat there quite often. So, um, I've got uh. I, we were talking before we before we started recording. Uh, my cousin's in town. Uh, f- he and his girlfriend they live in Wisconsin, where I used to live. Uh, and I fell in love with New Glarus uh, Brewing Company when I was up there. And anybody who's <coughs> lived in Wisconsin, spent a significant amount of time in Wisconsin, is familiar with New Glarus. Spotted Cows, obviously, they're big. They're big kind of flagship. But they make some world. Cl- I mean, all their beers in my mind are, are virtually without exception, absolutely world class. And uh, I am currently drinking um, a very famous beer from them called Raspberry Tart. That and kind of Wisconsin Belgian red are a couple of, in my mind, some of the world's greatest fruit beers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just goddamn fantastic. It is like drinking, um, like, but in a balanced way, not in yeah. a gloop glop way. It is like drinking just the essence of of fresh tart raspberries. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's such a gorgeous beer. When I was, and look at the color on it, like yeah, Jesus Christ. Oh, well, they, I'm not so representing this very well, but it is like <laughs> this deep crimson. Yeah, I feel like they they referenced New Glarus a lot when I was going through the American Brewers Guild course, and it made me, it mm-hmm. gave me like an entire different perspective on them as a company and like how much they give a shit about like what ingredients they're putting in, and they just don't. I I also have this appreciation that they're like. We don't. We know you all want us. Yeah, well, they literally sell it fuck. only in Wisconsin. Yeah, they're like one of so the cool. top. I forget how many. They're they're certainly in the top twenty craft breweries in the country. Yeah, um, and they literally sell in one state. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's, it's pretty incredible. Dan Care. I got to do a. Um, I went to a uh, a week long malting seminar up in uh, Chilton. I feel like I'm having deja vu. Like maybe I've talked about this before. If I have, forgive me. But uh, up in Chilton, Wisconsin, at Brees, um, and uh, the group that I was in, and when we went and toured the malt house and all that sort of thing, and and he was also one of the proctors for the week was uh, was Dan Carey, mm, and that awesome. guy is just a walking brewing brewing technology, brewing science encyclopedia. Yeah, um, and 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 people in especially in like in the Midwest and stuff, just just. Um, he he is a uh, a forefather of craft beer and and modern brewing technology and brewing science mm-hmm. in in the United States. Just like there isn't anything this guy doesn't know about brewing. <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty impressive. And also like I don't want to speculate about the guy's age, um, but. I'm pretty sure he would. He could throw me over his shoulder and climb up a mountain. Like he's, I'm gonna guess he's like 60 years old, and he would, yeah, just throw me over his shoulder like a sack of grain and climb up a mountain. Um, he does like ice climbing and shit. Like he's he's wild. He had like an old style like. Man, I might be misremembering. I feel like I need to go to the gym after this conversation. I'm like misremembering this maybe, but um, you remember the episode of Seinfeld where he has like the pirate shirt. You know, yeah. it's like the flowy kind of frilly. I swear, I remember him having like kind of a Germanish version of that shirt on, and I'm like, dude comes in with just some big dick energy with his shirt on. Like, I'm just coming in wearing a flowy ass shirt. Fuck with me. <laughs> like, just it was just so. He's just uh, he's an inspiring dude. Um, but I might also be just imagining this. He's like he's he's taking on these mythic proportions in my head. But um, woven yeah, from he, wool, he sheared himself. <laughs> <laughs> tied with leather straps from a hide he tanned his own. <laughs> he really, nothing nothing would surprise me. He's just like, hey, he's a folk hero in my mind. So that's what I'm drinking. Um, what do you got, Steve? 
You, you've been drinking all day because you were at Beer Fest. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't have any beer at the moment. I'm on the come down off our homebrew festival. So mm-hmm. I got two drinks. Um, uh, I have the Rebel Hard Coffee Bourbon Caramel Latte. That mm, sounds like that sounds so much. super good. The, yeah. it, it, it's honestly not that much. Okay. Like, it, yeah, it's pretty just like a, a just little Just a lot boozy, of words. Yeah, just like boozy caramel and coffee. Nice. And, uh, Sounds yeah. pretty good right now, actually. Actually, it would not be too bad. Those things are fucking addictive for me right now. The hard the, coffees? Yeah, the, really? especially the Rebel ones. Yeah, they're they're so good and easy to drink. Where, Ooh, where I might have you, to get some. Yeah, are they carbonated? Like, no, they're not carbonated, no, right? No. Where okay, do you get them? I was going to no. say. Um, Eagle. I've been getting them Eagle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Give me the G. <laughs> yeah. John Eagle. <laughs> Yeah, we went. We went on. Uh, uh, what was it on Saturday? My wife was on call. She had to go into work for a little bit, and I was with my my oldest daughter. And uh, my youngest was with her. She had to run into the office, and because they had sports and events all day, and uh, I was like, "Where do you want to go for lunch? We we're going to do like a little, uh, you know, daddy daughter lunch type of thing." And she usually she wants to go to Panera. Yeah. She was like, "I was like, what are you in the mood for?" She goes, "I would like." cheese and fruit i was like oh my she's god seven. she's almost seven i was like i was like uh okay well we could go to giant eagle and have like a just a little lunch in the car we'll go in and get like a hunk of cheese some fruit or whatever so that's 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 exactly what we yeah. did we went to the giant eagle you're prepping that charcuterie life yeah we went over the yeah, cheese yeah. counter got some sharp cheddar got some apples got some plums <laughs> got a big giant thing of strawberry lemonade like a, and just chugged it in the car it was pretty good. nice that's nice. awesome yeah. I love me a G trip. The uh, the other drink I have, though, is more interesting to this show. Uh, oh, okay. Sheets pumpkin pie pop. Stop. Oh, shit, Stop. bro. Oh, no. shit. I'm not yes. here for oh, that. I, I am. I, fuck, I, you know I, I am, brother. I want you know to fight with that. someone over this right now. <laughs> Dude, I will. I will. I will boil that down into a thick concentrate and mainline it. I don't give a fuck. So, Brian, this is the perfect thing for you to take your candy corn red vines yeah. as oh, a straw. Oh, my God. Yes. Fuck. I have, like, two of them. They're, like, kind of hard and crusty. I'm definitely keeping them as a straw for Soften that. Soften them up in the soda. You just get new ones. How do I not? No, I want it hard and crusty. Wait, what? Wait. You, so, this is Sheets exclusive? Yeah. She, nice. How have I not heard about this? I feel like I'm out of the hmm. loop. I don't know. Sheets has been making pop like all since 2020. You know what I'm I think. Gonna do. What? How, how do I not know this, guys? A, I'm gonna do a know. real asshole thing. Yeah. The next time I find it, I'm going to buy it, and then I'm gonna shotgun it. Oh, I thought you said I was gonna buy out the whole store and dump it out down the right, drain, yeah, down the sewer. That's the asshole thing. <laughs> I would love to see you do that. No that pumpkin a, pie pop for nobody. That'd be a dream come true, Meg. No, don't no, tell me with I'm, a good time, Meg. <laughs> I'm gonna, no, you know what you motherfuckers you know what I'm gonna fucking do you know what I'm gonna fucking do I'm gonna take all your snacks I'm gonna, and I'm gonna buy it all and then I'm gonna drink it and I'm gonna enjoy it I'm gonna enjoy it right in your face um, I yeah say, I would love no, for you, you know to enjoy it you know what's gonna it, happen right? though you know what's gonna happen is that I'm just gonna immediately vomit <laughs> That's exactly what it's Yeah, you're gonna projectile vomit and go into diabetic shock and I don't I don't know what the color is no, that's gonna, gonna come out on you, but I'm gonna chase oh. it with Necco wafers. That's what I'm oh, gonna do. Christ. Yeah, <laughs> you might as well just launch yourself into traffic. So what color is it? Is it like a cola colored, Steve? It's hard to see. It's a it's a it's a weird kind of almost tamarind orange. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I yeah. see it. Now I see it. It's oh man. I might have to just go straight to sheets after this is over <laughs> and pour it over top of my monster mass cereal. I went uh, as we went and got our our cheese and our 
our assorted fruits for our picnic in the car. Um, I (laughs) bought every because they had they did not have monster mash but they had the 70s retro boxes for count chocolate which i already got a count chocolate but frankenberry booberry and then they also had um the the halloween captain crunch that turns the milk green mm, mm. That's got awesome. me some of that got me some some bats reese's cups here my, my daughter and i are like we are enablers to each other so we just <laughs> went and cleared out the aisle we got fruit roll frankenberry and booberry fruit roll-ups we just filled the cart with absolute garbage so <laughs> nice um that's where we're at right now that's where i'm at in my life right now that and i went and um <laughs> just went kind of crazy at spirit halloween i was posting about that earlier uh this week as well but yes i saw the big giant wolf man <laughs> oh he's rad yeah i if like i think i posted like i i wanted to like ask how much it was not that i was gonna buy it but i think also my kids would just shit themselves immediately <laughs> you know it'd be a um, but, really good halloween costume this year is if someone went as spirit halloween like the store <laughs> It's just like you have hot, you have to have those hot topic like uh, like things that go over your arms. You know what yeah. I mean? They're like spider web looking things that go over your forearms that your thumb goes through. But then you also have I mean, what what else would be closing, on somebody on Spirit Halloween? You have a closing soon sign on you as well. Yeah, yeah. You have a 70% clearance sign the day after Halloween. The way you really sell it is if you're at a party, every time somebody gets up from their seat, you take it. <laughs> that's the meta that's the really yeah. meta approach to the spirit halloween yeah as oh soon as you God. get up you're like you moved out sorry or you go as so a tandem vicious. costume with a friend and they're a toys are us and every time they stand up you sit down right where they were sitting <laughs> That's performance art there. Now it's a whole installation. Yeah, it's a whole art installation now. Guys, this is going to be like our group costume. Like, we're all going to figure this out. (laughs) You know what I would love to see it do? I want to see them take over a Pizza Hut. Because I want to oh. see a spirit pizza hut. Seriously, Dude, I would. I the the terrible, unspeakable things I would do for a Halloween themed set of those red plastic cups from from Pizza Shit. Hut. Oh, I would do almost anything. I cut my right hand off. Hey, I love perfect, this cup so much. Perfect segue into talking about Candyman. Yeah, <laughs> <come Dude. right. laughs> that was completely unintentional, um, or was it? So, any case, let's yeah, it's a it's a great transition. <laughs> we should probably start talking about this movie. Um, I, I don't think we're gonna go you know scene by scene and really talk about this uh, plot synopsis too much or anything like that. I would say this: um, there's gonna be a lot of spoilers. So if you have not seen it um, and you don't care, fine. Uh, if you're planning on seeing it, you don't want it spoiled. You know, just an FYI. I would say this though: for me, seeing the 1992 original Candyman, probably within the last six months made a lot of difference for me because i've I, I if i wouldn't have saw that and i and i was reading some reviews and listening to some some you know little you know youtube reviews and things like that uh of the movie just in the last couple of days since it came out and people seem to be all over the place i felt mm-hmm. like they would be overwhelmingly positive um mm-hmm. but they're kind of all over the place yeah um, a lot of people are kind of luke. Nobody, I haven't heard anybody say it's trash. It's either they're super high on it, or they're kind of lukewarm. I Have you seen some trash reviews? I saw one, and yeah. somebody gave it a half star review. Uh, All right, that's. I'm I mean, gonna come punch on. them in the face right now. That's so. I mean, so uh, listen. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert here. 
Uh, I walked out of the theater on cloud nine, absolutely mm-hmm. loved the whole experience. And part of it was like coming out of the theater for the first time in 18 months. So like, I'm definitely that guy who, who's easy to excite, who's easy to please. And I come out be bopping out of theater, like that was the greatest movie I ever saw. And I loved it. I really did enjoy it a lot. Sitting on it for 24 hours, I've softened just a little bit, but I still really, really dug it. I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great movie. Um, I didn't, but to give it a half a star, like you're just mm. being a shit. Yeah, I, I just don't think yeah. it's definitely like. I think even when you walk away and even look at it, like multiple days later, you can't. I don't think you could walk away being like this is not a good movie. I like, think a lot of people like anytime there's a movie that takes itself very seriously and has like very serious heavy um, themes. Uh, I feel like yeah. that that does make it polarizing. Just yes. just automatically. So that maybe a, that's why that was because that was one of my big takeaways. I told you guys immediately when we got on the call. I'm like, I wanted to walk out of the fucking movie crying because mm-hmm. because of all the social commentary that existed in it. Yeah. So like, I can understand what you're saying when you talk about it being polarizing. That immediately you start talking about anything like mm-hmm. that's like a social issue that we should address. Yeah, yeah, people are going to shit on it. I had somebody message, message me when I even posted about like, hey, the snacks to go in and watch Candyman. Somebody responded to to, to like a story on our Instagram account was like, just saw it. It was incredible. Like literally was sitting in my car in the theater crying afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like I could see you, pe- have people having a very visceral response mm-hmm. to this in both directions. So like I get mm-hmm. it, but. Yeah, so uh, just a little more context. So the person who did give it a half star, they like they were saying more along the lines of uh, they were comparing it to the original mm-hmm. and saying how the the original doesn't do a lot of the social commentary as heavy handed. No, nope. and the um, just the, they were more harping on a lot of the cartoonishness of the tertiary characters, sure. which I kind of agree with. But yeah. I still don't think it's a half star movie. That's yeah, it doesn't crazy. knock it off. There was yeah. there there are things about this movie that that again, twenty four hours later, I've been thinking about for twenty four hours and are sticking in my craw a little bit, but mm-hmm. not enough to knock it down no. in, in any real significant way. Certainly no. not to half a star, for God's sakes. Yeah, especially because <laughs> there's so much other richness within the film as well. Yeah. Like the, you already mentioned the cinematography. Yeah. That opening sequence is fucking amazing. Jesus Christ, there was so much. I mean. Uh, this is a if this doesn't get nominated for best cinematography like Mm -hmm. i i I don't know what else is going on out there like i haven't seen a lot of you know new movies and um certainly in the theaters but like this this is this is like a uh an award nominated level uh cinematography uh uh performance i think in my mind or cinematography Mm -hmm. effort uh it was really really fantastic sound design was awesome i thought the performance of the main actors yeah some of the tertiary actors were a little soft yeah um there wasn't a lot for for us they did a great job of making it feel really big although despite mm-hmm. the fact that it was a pretty small story like mm-hmm. in terms of like the the scope and the amount of characters but the main characters i thought were did a great job oh yeah i yeah. think but i also i wanted to make a point to talk about like i mean now we're talking about movies that are referencing movies from like the 90s and like the 80s like whatever whatever we're talking about it's kind of hard to make that comparison without just taking into context time and place and i feel like though for time and place like i liked how they basically took the original story and almost created this new narrative almost for it you know Mm -hmm. and um Mm -hmm. like it was it felt like it was almost like a okay we know the Candyman story but now here is this slightly continuation of it but also new story that we can build off of that 
that's kind of the whole point of the story as well is so um the uh, whether you know this or not the the original Candyman is actually based on a clive barker short story right and so the clive barker short story is you know was set in london and completely different and mm-hmm. clive barker based that off the original urban legend of the people who like go parking at lover's lane mm-hmm. and they find the, the hook they, and killer yeah the hook okay, and killer. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can yeah. See this. so it's it's all adaptation and it's and it's yeah. all advancement like you know changing the story just a little bit you you know some details change but overall it's still the same power of legend yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's and they definitely leaned away. I could see somebody who was a, a fan of the original movie. And I mean, you got to remember, it was, it was a trilogy, right? So there's a movie that came out in 92, 95 and 99. 92, you know, I think a lot of people think very highly of that movie. The mm-hmm. 95 and 99, not so much. I've personally never seen them today. I just started. I watched a little bit of the 95 one today. Yeah. Um, but they are definitely way held in way less way way yeah. less regard than than 92. I, I like two. I like two. Two's the but... one. Uh, yeah, because two gives a lot of the backstory, which that was the thing I yeah. liked about it. And and Daniel Robita uh, uh, Robita Um He uh, you know it kind of gives it, it gives him first of all a name because <laughs> um, he doesn't have a name in the first one. But then um, no, I think he, he does. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. never I feel like until I saw the second one I didn't know what his name was. But I'm not a huge fan of the first movie, but I like it. I appreciate it, but mm-hmm. I've probably only seen the first movie twice. I remember I seeing it in like I, I literally watched the first movie like after watching the one in the theater. I wanted to, I just didn't have time. I wanted yeah. to revisit it, but I've only seen it one other time, which yeah. I just Same watched boat. it. Um, for the first time in probably a decade, mm-hmm. m- maybe like four months ago, six months ago. Um, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. Like I did just see it not that long ago. Uh, but the time before that, it was like I was a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've probably only seen it a couple times. But before yeah. we get too far, in it, l- l- the, I guess the first thing we should probably call out is um, so Jordan Peele's name's attached to this. Mm-hmm. It's not directed by Jordan Peele. It's directed by Nia DaCosta, who, who's mm-hmm. got a lot of buzz right now, although I have not seen any of her other films. Um, this is her first film uh, that, that I've seen. And again, directorial, you know, debut from my perspective um, was was pretty impressive. But Jordan Peele co-wrote this along with her and, and I think one other guy who I don't remember his name. And then I believe it was produced by by Jordan Peele as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. knowing anything about Jordan Peele's films, obviously Get Out and, and Us, um, you know, there's going to be he's not going to shy away from from the the social uh discourse and and the mm-hmm. social issues and and certainly issues of of race that were so even though they weren't quite as um uh as straightforward in in the first movie they were a huge part of it still i mean you know the story of daniel robitai you know was he was this um uh an artist a, a very kind of well to from a very well to do um his father was a former slave but they had kind of pulled themselves you know managed to pull themselves out of uh, out of poverty and uh and his father was like what a shoemaker or something he, you know uh, or, his his father built something that was auto- that automated the making of shoes right. post civil war yeah so they got money and then he was able to learn that he had like a painting ability. Yes. So he was wealthy, um, you know, grew up in, you know, a pretty privileged environment in the sense that he got sent to all the best schools in London and all these sorts of things. So he was, he was very much a, uh, you know, a, a gentleman, uh, you know, an English gentleman, obviously, but, uh, 
a little bit unorthodox, certainly in those times for that, for, you know, an African uh, father or son of a, of a former slave, obviously mm-hmm. to be in that, in that, um, in that scenario. But in any case, uh, yeah, fell in love with a white woman who was the daughter of a wealthy landowner or something like that, or wealthy, mm-hmm. wealthy family. Um, she got pregnant and then the father basically hired a, a you know, essentially a lynch mob, mm-hmm. right. To, to chase him down and then do all the things that resulted in uh in some of the elements of the Candyman mythos which was you know tortured him beat him cut his hand off inserted a meat hook into his arm and then covered him in honey for all these bees to attack and then eventually set him on fire I'm right kind as of well I about him. even the like historical context is that was that like a thing or is that just like oh this sounds interesting for the story with the whole bee thing and honey because that almost like tar and feather type idea but different um that's a good good question i don't know the answer to whether i so in so we're getting a little bit ahead but in the 2021 story where especially where they use this kind of i thought a really fantastic um and and entertaining and beautiful and and clever frankly um device to lay out exposition and storytelling Mm -hmm. uh, which was the shadow puppets yeah i like that a lot too they show, of course, the the plight of and, and that scenario and the and the murder of Daniel Robitaille, but they also show a handful of other scenarios, a couple of which were true life <laughs> ones, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty, you know, certainly. Mm-hmm. I think if somebody who didn't necessarily know the context behind, like one of the instances, especially if you hung around through the credit sequences at the end, mm-hmm. and I know we have barely talked about the movie, and now we're talking about the credit sequence, but um, <laughs> we'll just work uh, backwards. But, yeah, but I mean, yeah. it, it actually was really, it was, that's why I walked out, like, I could see somebody walk out, walking out very emotional from mm-hmm. this movie, because that end credit sequence where they're acting all this out via via these shadow puppets, and they have uh, a, a guy who is um, dragged behind a pickup truck, you know what I mean, until he died, like, that mm-hmm. literally happened within the last, I think, couple of decades, there was, was a big was, national story. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. it's probably happened even more, mm-hmm. but, like, yeah. um, I, and the same thing with the kid, the 14-year-old who got executed via mm-hmm. uh, electric t- chair, like, that's a real mm-hmm. story, like, mm-hmm. so I don't think the Daniel Robitaille one is, but I do think that that they definitely played in that, like, could that have happened? And in all likelihood, did something like that happen in the history of our country? Yeah, probably. I wanted to make a comment that, like, just so that we don't get too far away from it so I can make it. But, like, you've already talked about how great the cinematography was, but I feel like when they talked about the social commentary is what I feel like they did a good job about is that they weren't, they didn't, like, come out and it didn't feel like in your your face about, like, oh, yes, like, so we didn't, like, see, you know, riots or protests or anything happening. But, like, with the way they use cinematography and the timing of it all, I felt like was really, really good because, you know, uh, opening scene where it was, like, there was no pause with, like, police. It mm-hmm. was shit's happening. Someone's trying to be, like, stop. And they're just, mm-hmm. like, Boom, let's go. And I, so I feel like because all of this is really uh, relevant for us and the things that we're experiencing, things that we're seeing, uh, I, I felt like they did a good job making things seem very relevant in that way. And yeah, they they reframed yeah. they reframed a lot of the themes and frankly the the Candyman mythos. Mm-hmm. They reframed it. Um, for for a, for a modern audience, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and the one thing I'll say, and and this is what I because th- that's 
fucking hard to do. Mm-hmm. Really hard. I mean, think about some of the remakes that of uh, that didn't have big, heavy social uh, uh, issues involved in it that still did a really bad job of modernizing, you know, a mythos yeah. mm-hmm. of, a, of an existing franchise. To have to do that and still have to have the deft hand to take into account all of those social, socioeconomic, sociopolitical, all those elements, like that's fucking a task. Yeah. Right. And that's why I feel like they did it where they were able to do it with actually how they shot it and how yeah. they, like, you know, were to, I, that's why I thought it was brilliant. In that way. And I think another thing, just to go back to like, so the original Candyman has a lot of that social stuff in it as well. Mm-hmm. It like basically the story is about a white woman who's invading a space that mm-hmm. isn't hers. Right. And she's, she's doing it for her own betterment. Mm-hmm. You know, she's trying to enrich her life by, you know, stealing, not necessarily stealing, but, you know, taking away from, you know, communities that are suffering. Yeah. You know, and she, and she, profits off of that so then you know the the modernization of that has to still maintain it mm-hmm. so that's why the, you know the the remake of freddy or the remake of jason don't have to have those things sure mm. so you had to do it for this candy man you can't just put out a fucking weak ass slasher you can't you can't go chuck child's play with it and just go it's a robot now it's right, AI exactly. now, you know what I mean? Not that I, I actually thought, th- thought that movie was fine, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not right. like, now it's that, but with computers. Like, they can't, they can't do that, right? Yeah, um, so it, but it's built in. It's already built in, so you have to continue that legacy yeah. in that way. Yeah. So. I, I even like, so I, I think the people, and maybe this has something to do with why I, I really, really dug this movie, um, and some, of the, some people maybe aren't as into it. I feel like, and this is a bit of a leap, but I'm going to guess that the people who aren't crazy about the 2021 one are the ones who are also big fans of 92. Yeah, you I know what I mean? Because like, I, that's where I'm sitting, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like the 92 movie. Again, I've only seen it a couple of times. I mm-hmm. do really enjoy it. I think some of the imagery is what stuck with me the most. And mm-hmm. of course, Tony Todd. Like Tony Todd's oh, yeah. performance as Candyman is an iconic villain mm-hmm. performance. And and you just there's very few performances in horror history that are gonna stand up to Tony Todd in the as Candyman in ninety two. But he is kind of the whole movie in my mind. Um, mm. and, and I feel like the character of, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but that character, I think her name's Helen, right? That's the yeah. white woman. That I read it the last time I watched it, which again, only maybe four months ago, six months ago, I remember reading it kind of as like, this hasn't really aged that gracefully because she's kind of this like white savior who yeah. yes she's coming in and 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 marge you know using the kind of marginalization and and cut off of communities and obviously we're talking about Cabrini Greens and the fact that that's a real place and mm-hmm. was a real place um and she's coming in and doing that and they kind of like scold her for it but in the end she still is the savior who who comes mm-hmm. back and saves the baby you know Anthony and stuff yeah but like even within that end she she just becomes the new mythos she becomes the new monster to that's that, the other to confusing that part too i'm still actually very confused about that and that's one of the issues i had with this uh, with the most with the 2021 version is like it muddied the waters of the mythos of what the mm-hmm. Candyman entity is in a very big way because like in the first film he's this boogeyman that is like an amalgamation of several different urban legends like Steve that you kind of talked about um, who's really there to like how, how do I put this he he's kind of there to like 
hold up a, a he's mirror. A, he's a scapegoat. He's also he, a scapegoat. Yeah, People a scapegoat. use him as a blame for why they live in the situation that they do. That's true, too, um, which is another element that I feel like didn't age really particularly well. But he is definitely this like he is this like mirror that is held up to the society and some of the like soci- you know, social, racial, socioeconomic kind of paradoxes of the society, I guess, is a is a way to make a very complicated theme in a sentence. Um, but in this movie, he emerges as almost like this pseudo anti-hero. Yeah. You yeah, know, or I, at least in Anthony's mm-hmm. incarnation. But when he talks about like her being that like um, the hero, like in the first one. But I feel like that's where this movie took what happened then and I think there was always about social commentary in some way, shape, or form. I have like a mm-hmm. note about I had a local artist because that I think that's where they were able to switch things for this film was that they were able to put in our face and and recognize and I've had actual artists here talk about how like you want to promote artists and you want to push them and you want to like have them flourish, but you also use them as this device for that gentrification. And I feel like yeah. that's how they were able mm-hmm. to switch it away from being like this woman's this like hero to no, actually Candyman's kind of this fucking anti-hero type character like mm-hmm. but they also put some of the blame on you know, because that was a theme in the first movie, although it was much more subtle. And I wonder whether at the time, you know, seeing it through the through the scope of 1992, whether it would have been something people even talked about. Whereas now watching it through the, the lens of 2021, the 92 movie, you you start to see that like not gentrification, but like, you know, the, you know, trying to be this, like the white savior kind of thing or mm-hmm. whatever. Whereas in 2021, they took that head on. So like, yeah. it's one of those things where they took some themes that became relevant over time, almost by, I don't say happenstance, but just the development of what has happened over the last, you know, 30 years yeah, like to go all this talking about. Yeah. So to go like, they're almost making the more, the first movie feel more relevant and more complex, mm-hmm. um, in, in in comparison, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Cause they're, cause they're kind of squeezing out of it some stuff that maybe at the time people wouldn't have got, or maybe wasn't even there, <laughs> you know what I mean? In the scripts or in the performance or in the intention of the filmmaker. Um, so undoubtedly this movie is going to make the 92 version, which again is a fantastic movie, a classic, but I think it has painted the 92 version in a better light than maybe it would have had if if it was never remade or if there was never any other sequels you know what i mean um i don't know that's maybe maybe not neither here nor there but like i guess the 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 thing to probably something we should clarify right in the first movie we talked about you know daniel robitaille and, and everything that happened to him and he's murdered and he comes back and and he is basically um inciting some manner of control over this community in which over which his ashes were were uh uh were strewn right yeah of of cabrini green which is this like uh you know housing project uh you know affordable housing uh scenario where this the the it was basically cut off from chicago uh from from downtown chicago from the i think it's in like the near north side or something like that if i'm not mistaken um and ultimately he kind of um, is this like boogeyman of of this this housing project right um in the new movie they kind of start to set up this mythos of there is an entity 
who was not the Candyman before and really took on the moniker of Candyman in the 70s because of a, a, another person in this line of people who have come to be the physical manifestation of of this entity, which we are now calling Candyman. Mm -hmm. So it may be, mm -hmm. I, I think... It's never explained, but I think it started with, with Daniel Robitaille. That's kind of what's suggested. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because especially at the end, again, we're way into spoiler alerts, but at the end, when, when Tony Todd's face kind of pop, pops in for a moment, he is the embodiment still to a certain extent of, of the Candyman. So you're assuming he's the first one. And we come to learn, you know, Anthony, who's this artist you guys talked about a little bit, who is basically capitalizing on this um, level of gentrification that's happening in this area because his girlfriend is a art um, curator, right? Kind of uh, who comes mm -hmm. from wealth. She comes from a wealthy family. Her father was an artist. And um, I thought that was going to go somewhere. It really didn't. Um, yeah, I wish there was just a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, because mm -hmm. you, we you waited we, to see is like, oh, is she? Because they suggested that her father mm -hmm. died um, as a result of his art or of yeah, some sort. Well, it. they didn't suggest it. They showed him jumping out a window. Oh, yeah, that's like right. That's right. I totally up, forgot like, about that. Had a psychotic break. Yeah. You like know that. what? That was the interesting thing though about that is this was just me being maybe stupid at the time. Is I thought for a second that that. And, and maybe I wasn't paying attention or something like that, but I thought that that was something that was happening in the a flashback to the childhood of the William Burke oh, character okay. from the laundromat. So I was like, oh, I thought the kid, I, I, I just, because remember he had like sisters yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So for some reason in my head at the time, I didn't make the connection that that was Brianna yeah. or, 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 or what was her, Troy was her brother's Troy name. Troy was her brother, yeah. I, I, did, I, I, I thought that that was... Because originally when you saw stuff from that, you know, from the 70s, 80s or whatever, it was flashing back to William Burke, right, the guy from right. the laundromat. So I thought it was, but yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. Um, so he committed suicide. Uh, he was like a tortured artist type of person. And of course, Daniel was a tortured artist. Yeah. Anthony's a tortured <laughs> artist. I just thought that we were going to get some sort of connection that never yeah. really happened there. But I also thought they were going to add like a little bit more or I wish they just had like one more scene. Because Brianna has an interesting character of like, it seems like she's always been in affluence mm -hmm. so she's maybe has so like if they just had like a scene of her being adopted or something by like you know a yeah. wealthy family because mm -hmm. yeah. the the jump is doesn't make a lot of sense of father commit suicide and then but she's also a wealthy art curator i, mm -hmm. I they said something when they were in Troy's apartment yeah. about how he didn't he became like posthumously mm. famous okay Mm -hmm. So I don't think he became very famous and, and until, um, his art didn't really pick up until after he was dead. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's can, what I took. You could get the vibe in general. And it was through her and her brother talking about all the, his entire collection too. that. Like, mm -hmm. so, I mean, I think like thinking about, okay, if they're sitting on all this art that like he was trying to push her to do something with the art and she's just mm. like no mm. like you know and so i mean i feel like you kind of start understanding and putting stories around what the situation could is that she, maybe because they had a family member who were, was in the art community and she was kind of following in those footsteps or reliving her childhood in a way yeah. in a different mm. i took it as the mother ran with the art thing and Possible. maybe his father 
was her father, Brianna's and Troy's father, was a tortured artist. The mother was kind of the, the brains of the operation, mm-hmm. kind of like Brianna is with Anthony. So that's yeah. why he's that's why she's in this relationship with Anthony because she's trying to fix her, Anthony because she couldn't both. fix her father. Yeah. I think it's both. I, yeah, I think it's all like, and that's why I was kind of surprised that I feel like, oh, and maybe I'm getting ahead, but I almost feel like the movie is setting up for something else, you know, mm-hmm. that maybe surrounds her. But yeah. I feel like you you learn a lot about her, but then you, but not till like the end, right? You know, you, yeah. And I think it's just the entirety of both her and Anthony. They're obviously the strongest characters, thank God, because mm-hmm. they're the main characters. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, like the whole point of the movie, all throughout, is about like the duality of you know a person's nature, and mm-hmm. so yeah. like and we can talk about more when we get to the ending but brianna has this nature of like she's always been in touch with affluence she's never like she's not like anthony anthony comes from a lower income class and has moved his way in but it seems like brianna has always Mm -hmm. been somewhat safe it feels that she right. can she can move in that space more fluidly right. or belongs there to a certain yeah. extent, whereas yeah. Anthony feels very uncomfortable yeah. and in, in that scenario and doesn't know how to speak the language of those people mm-hmm. the way she does. And I feel like the, their dynamic, though, is very clear because clearly she came from someone who also was like an artist, but then he, like, they play it off the entire time. Like, he is kind of just like riding coattails. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or he's just like raw talent. That's right. hard. Yeah, that he's not sure how to harness. At one point, like he was yeah. references, and I was like, okay, that's that's kind of a cool <laughs> reference in general. But yeah. like, yeah, that's you know. But yeah, they they, they you kind of come to learn. So Anthony catches wind of the so Troy actually kind of introduces them to the idea of. Cabrini Green, and he really tells a very abbreviated kind of um, misguided representation of the story, really just around Helen and yeah, what he, she did. Well, well like I and, said, Helen became the new mythos, and he tell right. Troy picks it up by retelling the Helen mythos, not Candyman. Yes. Right, exactly. And so mm-hmm. Anthony knows this is how Anthony learns. And Anthony feels a connection to this. We find out later why, but he finds a connection to this. He eventually goes back and starts snooping around Cabrini Green, taking pictures, and starts to get inspired by this idea of uh, of the Candyman. Um, he runs into a guy who potentially still lives near or in Cabrini Green, although it has now been uh, blocked off. It has been boarded up and it is getting ready to be basically bulldozed, I think, mm-hmm. or turned turned gentrified turned into new you know probably luxury high-rise apartments kind of thing which i out of curiosity today googled and that is literally act actively happening in real life right now Mm. um I think like four to six months ago, like the Chicago, like city, you know, whatever, you know, bureaucrats in the city of Chicago approved like an additional like six hundred million dollars to finish the former Cabrini Greens redevelopment project mm-hmm. like in real life right now which is pretty wow. wild wow. um and uh but they have already i think bulldozed all the housing or whatever so i don't know exactly where they shot that maybe maybe they shot it before it did i don't know if they shot it actually in cabrini greens but um they he's snooping around he runs into a guy named william burke and william is the kind of lore keeper if you will um mm-hmm. and he explains his connection to the candy man of his childhood in Cabrini Greens, which is a guy named, uh, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, I want to say Spencer, but I know it's not Spencer. Sh- Sherman. It's Sherman. Yeah. So Sherman was a guy which 
coincidentally also had a hook for a hand. So I, that was what I was kind of think. I think it was somewhat uh, alluded to in in the shadow play at the end during the credits, and I think mm. he lost his hand at a candy factory. Oh, missed that. Yeah. Think is that, this where Willy okay. Wonka comes into play? Yeah, this yes. is where the cinematic universe of Willy Wonka comes into play because Augustus Gloop got sucked up the tube and then they went on the boat and then they went into the other room and when Grandpa Joe and Charlie go up to the ceiling with the fan, that's where that guy lost his hand. No, yeah. I don't know. I'm just the, making shit up. <laughs> the, the other way it might, and it, it's, it's a loose connection, but in the first Candyman film, there's a tale of Candyman going around and the kids know it as there's this kid who got attacked in a bathroom. Yeah. And he wasn't killed. He like He was castrated. He or was something, castrated, wasn't he? yeah. Yeah, which, it was something brutal like yeah, that. Which may be like an exaggeration or a twist, but he maybe that was Sherman that was in the bathroom and he actually lost his hand, not you know, not being castrated. Yeah, so it could be. Could That's be. a great so, point. Because it, it looks like it looks like it's the sixties early 70s so like sherman looks to be mid 20s or so or mm -hmm. you know mid 30s so i don't know sherman i felt like he was older than that he i feel like he he maybe it was 40s 50s i don't know i'm not sure but anyway sherman is definitely not daniel robitaille daniel robitaille was like a bit of a he was a dandy, uh, mm -hmm. if you will. Like he was very, you know, educated, well dressed, very sophisticated gentleman about town. Um, and 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 uh, and Sherman will seem to have struggled with some degree of mental illness. Maybe he kind of just. He, they describe him as like a guy who stood out, you know, just kind of talking to himself or or kind of carrying on and um, everyone thought to be harmless and was, you know, would hand out candy to to the kids. Well, William Burke, as a kid, saw, you know, Sherman emerge from the wall, not unlike the Candyman, you know, mythos in the first movie, which was a again, a real thing that happened in real life where this this urban legend was taken from. But it actually was a person who gained access to a, uh, a woman's apartment and murdered them through a uh, through a, a hole in the wall behind like a vanity or mm -hmm. something, um, yeah. which is pretty creepy. Um, but in any case, she, she, you know, he comes out of the wall, um, young, what, maybe 10 year old, 11 year old yeah, yeah. William screams. The cops hear him because mm -hmm. the cops are just hanging around, you know, Caprini Green, you know what I mean? Um, and come in and just uh, just beat the guy to death because there was a report of candy with a razor blade in it. And they had been kind of looking for this guy, right? From what mm -hmm. I understand, he mm -hmm. comes out, gives him a piece of candy. Um, he screams. They come in and he realizes that the guy really didn't mean any harm and ultimately. Um, he's murdered by the by the trigger police. Trigger happy motherfucking cops. Yeah, they come in. Guns. They, yeah, no, they just beat him yeah. to death. Yeah, no, they're straight up. You hear the screams, and I was like torturous. Yeah, it was it was it was a pretty brutal scene because then they then they were like, yeah, and then nothing changed. Like the, this, more people found candy with with razor blades mm -hmm. in. So the guy was obviously, yeah. I mean, uh, again, the guy was undoubtedly. <laughs> making people feel uncomfortable around their kids and all mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So that was part of it. But like he, he by no means did he deserve to have any violence yeah. done on him, let alone be beat to get death by the police. But, um, so he becomes the candy man of Cabrini greens in the, you know, I don't know, seventies, eighties or something mm -hmm. like that. And that's where the thing that I find really, really interesting and where the mythos kind of really becomes 
I, I think really a lot more rich in this version is it feels like the Candyman and it has come to be named the Candyman in whatever the 70s, 80s. Daniel Robitaille wouldn't have been called the Candyman because he had no connection to the candy or anything. So mm-hmm. he was just what, whatever the entity is, is this kind of like rolling snowball, yeah. if you will, mm, throughout history that that picks up elements because, mm. of course, the hook is yeah. part of Daniel Robitaille. The bees are part of the story and plight and, and, and tragedy of Daniel Robitaille. But then the coat, you know, it gets taken by by Spencer, the candy mm-hmm. element. Not Spencer. I keep saying Spencer. It's Sherman. Um, I just made up a new name for that. <laughs> um, the candy, all that stuff it comes from Sherman. And then, of course, you know, you, you can't help but wonder what Anthony's contribution of it is and were there there were obviously others mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. at the end in the in the uh, the shadow puppet sequence you see there's at least two or three others right mm-hmm. right yeah no and I think that's what gave it away that I feel like this is like a bigger story of like this continuation which it makes me really excited to see like what they could do with this next version of Candyman and I think like mm-hmm. could be a really cool continuation yeah. I, yeah. I also think um I think the candy and the razor blades also calls back to the original Clive Barker uh, short story. Uh, see, I've never, I've never read the yeah, story. I, What's it called? It's called the uh, Forbidden. The Forbidden. Yeah. yeah, I've never read it. Yeah, I think that I think that that's kind of where that starts at. So, I mean, mm. if you want to look at it as you know a, a continuous story all throughout, we should mm-hmm. post like a link to like on our page because I I'm I'm curious about. It. I want to like look over it and stuff like that, but it'd be cool to like share with everyone else. Mm-hmm. So the one thing I really hated about about the way they promoted this movie and a lot of movies nowadays, I, I actively try to avoid trailers now yeah. because they give types. so much up. Um, but I did, you know, at some point, for whatever reason, saw at least a portion of the trailer of uh, of this movie and they really gave away. And and I get it, you know, if you knew the the last name of the mother who whose baby was taken by the Candyman in the first movie that Helen ultimately saves, her last name is McCoy, and it's Anthony McCoy. So you kind of knew that you you probably would have been able to figure out that Anthony is is the baby, yeah. right, from the first movie. Um, unless you had never seen the first movie, you probably would have been able to figure that out. But I do really hate the fact that they basically showed that Anthony is the new Candyman. Um, mm. But yeah. I like that you've learned that he's not the new Candyman. He's just another Candyman. Right. Yeah. Um, so so that was a nice little twist, even though the freaking trailer blew I feel it like for ruined you. that part of yeah. it. I hate that. I hate modern trailers so much. Yeah. Um, also, here's three seconds of the trailer you're about to watch. Like, yeah. Like, I'm, going, uh, I'm watching it. What are you doing? Yeah, Don't show me yeah. exciting parts. I'm going to watch the whole thing. <laughs> and especially like I, I'm so mad about the trailer for uh, for Halloween Kills. That's for another episode. <laughs> but like it shows literally like what looked to be s- like significant characters dying. And it's just yeah. oh, it's very frustrating. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Anthony is just kind of the current incarnation of, you know, this long line of kind of like vengeful ghost entities if you will um Mm -hmm. that pick up elements of these you know victims of specifically 
um, racially motivated hate crimes, r- um, racial injustice, murders mm-hmm. um, in most in, in all cases, I guess. But now that this this brings me to a couple of questions and how it ties into the first one. And this is again, I will reiterate, this is a tall order, right? To tie it into that that complicated mythos with all this, the social elements to it and and racial elements and and all that stuff is why. Where does Helen fit into this from the first movie? Because she seemed to get the Candyman treatment at the end of the first movie, right. which bought, which really took a lot away from it for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so within the first movie, Helen is just a student researcher, and mm-hmm. she's she's just working on urban legend overall. And right. it, she has uh, she has a partner with her, and the two of them are working on urban legend, and they just kind of happen to stumble on. Uh, this Candyman um, mm-hmm. mythos, and it's because uh, it, it's simple. Just like she's in the room working on something, and somebody's talking about Candyman on a tape mm-hmm. recorder, and the 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 person who uh, the lady who's cleaning the classroom overhears it, and she happens. I remember yeah, that she now. happens yeah, to yeah. live with somebody who lived in Cabrini Green, or or she's working with somebody who lives at Cabrini Green and mm. was. Um, she knows about a murder that happened at Cabrini Green, and right. so that's that's when that her uh, that's when Helen and her research partner start going into the space and they start investigating. Uh, that's where they meet Anne, and then at the very end, there is a a reference to there's a mural that's painted in Candyman's like space. It's like in this, you know, liminal space within the walls of Cabrini Green. Where she walked. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So there's there's a mural painted of kind of like the or a couple murals even of like the story of Daniel Robitaille. And it's alluded to that Helen is kind of a reincarnation of the woman that Daniel fell in love with that caused his right. murder. That's right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I completely forgot about that element. Yeah. She she is she is the daughter of the wealthy. So here that leads me to, to the next question, I guess. Is Daniel and Helen pre predetermined to be these creatures? Or these entities, or embody them like Anthony was possible because yeah. Anthony was obviously chosen, right? Like he mm-hmm. was chosen as a baby. You know, you I, you know, you remember this one like kind of iconic scene with Tony Todd with the hook, and he like is feeding the kid honey and stuff in the first movie. Um, and you come to learn, of course, he goes meets his his mother, which he had kind of been avoiding, you know, kind of thing in the 2021 version. And she goes on to tell him that, no, you were born at the hospital. You know, we lived in Cabrini Green and you were the baby who was taken and Helen saved you and blah, blah, blah. So he obviously was chosen by the Candyman mm-hmm. to be a six spiritual successor in mm-hmm. some capacity. Yeah. Was was Helen I, chosen in that same way. See, I, I don't know mm. that. He- but why else would she stop that? Like, why would she try to be actively stopping that ha- from happening? You know. Why would Helen try to stop? Wait, because like I mean, if we're talking about Helen being almost reincarnation, and we have this baby, is this baby supposed to kind of represent the idea of like her? Oh, she—that's child- how she died. She wasn't. She didn't right, get reincarnated right. until I mean, after yeah, I'm, that. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about, like, in general, like, any sort of, like, correlations between, like, the dynamics between everyone. Mm, gotcha. So, you make you know a connection. Yeah, yeah, so Candyman took, yeah. took the baby to entice Helen to be with him. 
he 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 made her a promise that if you know if she gave herself over to him he would give the baby mm-hmm. back um right. but then she never gives in and then eventually mm-hmm. like, eventually she does and i think in general maybe the baby is just a representation of the baby that he lost because sure. the, okay. the very yeah. end of the film is he's trying to keep um helen the baby and himself all within mm. all within a bonfire and have them so all we're basically talking about that all of these continuations of Candyman are maybe in essence like that child that he kind of lost in because of this original woman that was involved, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Daniel Robitaille's story. It's he's trying to get. Yeah. He's trying to right the injustice of losing his family. Mm-hmm. And then by doing that, he also increases the mythos because you know it, he he extends the life because that that's mm-hmm. what he runs on. He's kind of like Freddy in a way in that he survives on the fear of others who are afraid of him in the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. but then he also specifically has the power or a motivation to murder people who aren't scared of him and dare mm-hmm. say his name five times, kind of thing. So yeah. like. But then it's also a way to summon him right. simultaneously. That and again, this is me not really knowing the uh, again not knowing the first movie in and out. Maybe, but like mm-hmm. I, I definitely have some confusion around. I, I think it's safe to say that even in the first movie, even somebody who's a fan of the first movie, there's a little bit up to interpretation, which oh, is yeah, fine. Yeah. Like I, I like that. I, I don't want everything spoon fed to me. But they obviously shift in the second movie for the Candyman entity to be an anti-hero or a, I don't want to say a savior, but obviously he was to, to Brianna in the final scene. Yeah. He's a, he, he's a, he's a vigilante, uh, a vengeful entity that's coming back as this kind of Mm anti-hero. But then like that in the first movie, he was terrorizing the community that, I took it in the first movie as he was terrorizing the community of Cabrini Green because they didn't save him from what mm-hmm. happened to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's what kind. Of, yeah, I, but yes. but like in this movie, he's he's almost acting as like a vengeful entity to right. like protect from the police right. and, and everything. And, and that's mm-hmm. that was uh, that was kind of Burke's doing of what he wanted the Candyman to become because he says mm-hmm. like now he's no longer going to terrorize us because I mean there basically is no Cabrini Green anymore. So now, right. so mm-hmm. now it's time for the Candyman to go. He's released from the development. He's released from, you know, the ghetto essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it's interesting they can't you told like, him in anymore. Yeah, like telling the girlfriend to like tell everyone. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like that's almost like that indicator as well. That's a good point. Yeah. So there's kind of broadening the scope of Candyman, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. But yeah. but that was my other thing. So I'm I'm a little bit I'm I'm unsure of is what is the role of William Burke? Like obviously he was the witness, and mm-hmm. there is something involved with it. there needs to be a witness because he says Brianna Brianna is going to be the witness. Yeah. He was the witness to the '70s version of the Candyman. I would assume the wife. Uh, or they weren't, I think they're married, but the lover of Daniel Robitaille was the witness the first time, maybe. I don't know. But what is what is William Burke's role now? Is is as the witness your role to like man, summon or manifest the mm. new version yeah. of the Candyman? Well, one, I, I don't mean, know. One, he was just continuing it. But two, I think it's mm. also he was just guilty. 
like he felt his own guilt because mm-hmm. it was his reaction he screamed yeah, yeah it was his reaction yeah. that brought the cops that killed sherman so sure, i yeah. think he just wanted to keep the mythos alive you know yeah. and, and and was able to spread it out to everybody else because he just felt guilty what he did to that guy because his because he murdered his sisters Right, the Candyman ultimately murders yeah. William Burke's two yeah. sisters, or at least a sister and a friend right. of the sister. I don't mm. know. One of them was obviously so his sister. So that was the thing: is like, why does he feel a connection or a or a sense of duty or a sense of anything, any reason to help this entity? When yes, I get the guilt aspect or something like that, but then he he murdered his sister. You know what I mean? So. And who knows what's going on in somebody's brain, you know, through that amount of trauma, exactly. you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things you could say, but, um, yeah, he can, I mean, he can't like control it, but he can unleash it on others, you yeah. know, rather than like what's what, you know, he caused part of it, but also it took from his family, but if he can just get it out of his life and into everybody else's mm-hmm. and make everybody mm-hmm. else feel the pain that he did. Yeah. No, that's great. That 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 mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense because yeah. I was I was very confused walking out. That was the one thing that was like sticking in my craw a little bit was what is the what is happening with William Burke and and what mm-hmm. is his role mm-hmm. and, and and that sort of thing. So because when he like kidnap, you know, obviously I know why he kidnaps Anthony, and the I guess there's still a little bit of a question around the around the 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 uh, what do they call it the witness kind of thing or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but. I guess he was he was the witness, so mm-hmm. he just maybe assumes there needs to be someone else to take his place. I don't if know. He, if he'd already uh, been hearing stories of the other Candyman, you know, he yeah. just Candyman. Candyman. I mean, I think <laughs> they say the multiple multiple Candymans yeah. is Candyman. Candyman. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so I mean, if he'd already been hearing those tales, and he just figures this is my role now because it's now it's yeah it's it's part of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, One of the things that I was like, so reading some reviews and stuff like that, like I said, there was a lot of questions and these are the type of movies. It's like, it's like when we, when we watched um, uh, a field in England, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which by the way, a field in England and, and another movie we talked about are now like just at, got added to shutter coincidentally. Uh, Pretty interesting, interesting enough, but like great example of that. Like I like to have to think about and figure things out, you know, about the movies. I would not, not every movie. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, do I, do I, you know, his uh, head of the family, you know, are you really thinking a whole lot about that one? No. <laughs> There's a pun involved there with, with my sure, brain and everything, but sure. in any case, uh, I'll let that, I'll let that, there are people listening, just screaming uh, jokes about brains, but in any case, uh, you know, I, I like having to kind of figure some of those things out and everything. But the the one thing um, that, you know, reading some reviews afterwards, people were saying, and I would, I would potentially agree to this. I do think the first movie is, is scarier. I think it's a more from a traditional um, kind of horror theme element. I think it, it does a better job with some of the horror themes mm-hmm. Um, but I thought this, but then there was a lot of people who were just saying like, yeah, my main thing with, with it is just not scary. And I'm like, I disagree. Hmm. I really thought there were some super effective, you know, horror scenes here. I think, and honestly, it's possible people were just missing it, but this, the, the film is so visually dense. Um, yeah, it's great. That's a good way of putting it. Let's jump to that one bathroom scene. 
where he just shows up in the reflection of a hand towel holder yeah like and you'll miss it if you don't see it but like there was like three scenes like that he he shows up in like reflections all over the place and i kind of want to watch it again to see if i can find more but same same yeah because that's what i thought too was the i think the was it the first time you saw it or the second time you saw it when it was in the reflection of um brianna and, and, and anthony's apartment after he says it um, and it's really vague. I might have missed it. They're, I might have yeah, missed so they're kind of playing around, flirting, wrestling kind of thing. And she says, "Hey, I, uh, you know, don't don't you say it? You know what I mean?" And he says it. Yeah, I definitely and then, missed it. Yeah, they're not ta- they're not even talking. And the only thing you can really see because the background of the room that the reflection is is on is kind of dark, but you can very clearly see his mm. coat. Um, and, and, and it's, it was really, really chilling. And then of course you do it, you see it later with him kind of popping out in the doorway at the critic, you know, at the critics, uh, apartment, the film critic who, you know, yeah. who invites after, after she shits all over him, then she invites right, him, yeah. um, to, to the, to, to that her, her apartment. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, I really like that. And this was actually one of the other like, kind of like criticisms that I saw people having that was like, I, I just didn't get it. Um, people I don't want to say people. I, I saw one other podcast post something about um, there was the CGI sucked. And mm. I was like, when when are we talking about? Like, I go, CGI, CGI. And they specifically called out the scene that is kind of the zoom out rear window esque scene from the apartment yeah. where the where the the, uh, oh, uh, the, the critic, critic gets yeah. slapped up against the glass that. and then yeah. stretched across. Yeah. I didn't. I. Maybe I don't see well, but I thought that seems fucking great. Nah, it, it, it didn't work for me. It didn't look good. It, I, nah. I didn't. I didn't think it was very good. Out of all of the kill scenes, I didn't think it was good. But it was like, okay, this what is what about you expect. It? I mean, it was just. It felt so like she felt like a doll yeah. almost. I think in she my had mind. like I'm no like, weight. It, felt, it, it, it was. Yeah. She just moved too easily. Like it was that one, and yeah. then the other bad CGI that stuck out to me is in the first kind of killing. Um, where they're at the art gallery, where he cuts yeah. the mm. he cuts the movie screen, yeah. like the the bottom half that yeah. flops off. That was that was yeah, like a real it bad. Did, it reminded me. It reminded me of like some of the uh, early. Uh, it, it it seemed like it belonged in like episode one. Yeah, <laughs> like almost yeah. like Star Wars like, episode <laughs> one a little bit. Yeah, I saw the. I did. I did take note of the way it kind of flops down. But then I and then I was kind of like, oh well, it was like this heavy reinforced fabric. Maybe that's how it worked because it was still connected in it in a part. I don't know. Yeah. I, I get what you said because I I took note of that as well. Yeah, I would have to rewatch it because I did not feel like the scene in the apartment from the distance was as bad as people were saying it was. Yeah. But maybe I, again, maybe it's, it's from a distance and it, whatever. I, yeah, I need to, it, need it to rewatch it. It definitely stuck out to me, but I liked the, uh, I, I liked the, what they, the way they framed it and tried to do it. It's just, yeah. yeah. It, 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 yeah. I feel like even like proportionally, I feel like maybe her size of her body, like you're like, mm, this just doesn't seem right. But I do feel like the way, like the slashings, I think made up for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I had mixed feelings about uh, one of the times I thought it worked really well. One of the times it didn't was like him, you know, floating. You know, the mm. the Candyman mm. himself, kind of the floating yeah, yeah. kind of spirit element of him mm-hmm. um, uh, was was. I think one time felt like it worked really good, and one time it didn't. Yeah. Here here's the other thing that like I was honestly the most 
heart-pounding, scary, tense horror element was at the very end when they're in Caprini Green mm-hmm. um, and the, the cops are on their way. And you hear mm-hmm. them pull up, you hear the sirens coming, you see the mm-hmm. lights start going, you're like, oh God, what's going to happen when they get in here? Because you kind of, you care about these characters at that point. You're you like, know. this is not going to go well. And happen. she's yelling for help. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, it was just, that was that, that was a pretty chilling one. And then of course, yeah. then the scene with the cop in the back of the car where he's railroading right. her, you know, mm-hmm. was, was, was even worse. So Those are um, all fucking great. Poignant things. That ending, that one of those, uh, one of those shots is probably one of my favorite shots, aside mm-hmm. from that opening credit architectural scroll. But um, yeah, so the the very opening shot, we get that shadow play with William Burke as a kid. He's doing cops yeah. and mm-hmm. robbers shadow play. Then mm-hmm. one of the last scenes you get is uh, Anthony in Brianna's arms. William's on the ground, also dead, and you all you see is the shadow of the cop. Mm-hmm. against the wall but it's it kind of yeah. goes over william so. burke's body so mm-hmm. it's, so it's again like he orchestrated it because he's the one who called the cops sure so mm-hmm. it, it's very much like he did his set own, the whole thing in yeah, motion it's very yeah. much like he did his own shadow play the same way he did as a kid i really like that they wow. did a great job there was another shadow mm, uh thing point. that i thought was really impressive was when anthony is in his painting uh, you know, f- full body like painting mm-hmm. suit, you know, and he's on his way. His things have deteriorated. It's actually after he's obviously went and saw his, his mother and all that stuff. And it was, you know, not long before all that stuff happened. And it's him walking down the street of Caprini Green and it's dim and it's really mm-hmm. like it's at like dusk and it's very dim, but there's this like bright shining light on the downtown skyline. Mm-hmm. But Caprini Green is in its shadow. Yeah. And is and it's obviously there's some symbolism involved there, and then there's this flash from inside um, the one house which he ultimately goes into. Um, that was a, that was just a, a the lighting was just was really really impressive. Like to do it on that that street scene yeah. like that had to be so hard to. I mean I don't know how much of that you can do digitally. I don't know, but it was I thought that was a really impressive one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot a lot of really really great really beautiful really beautiful shots um a lot of a lot of slow zooms a lot of very confident long hold slow mm-hmm. zooms of anthony walking in downtown chicago across across the bridge you know down by what you know the the river walk area yeah. and stuff like that where I, I thought were pretty pretty cool but mm-hmm. um yeah a lot a lot, yeah. a lot of a uh, lot of great use of uh, like making chicago the city a character um mm-hmm. again back to the cops aside from the police you see sitting in the car in the very, very opening. Um, you really don't see their faces at all, ever. They're either just Ooh. like a car moving by or a shadow mm-hmm. or the detective at the very end. All you see is his eyes in the uh, rear view window mm-hmm. or the rear view mm-hmm. mirror. Um, even the mm-hmm. cops that showed up with him, they're all in tactical gear. So you never really see their faces. So they always have That's this. interesting. They have this real uh, malevolent uh, presence. About yeah, very them. menacing. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'm I, glad you pointed that out. I, I'm I'm the only thing that I'm like I, I'm a little torn on the character of Anthony a little bit um, hmm. because he's like they definitely seem to be suggesting. And this is again, this is one of those kind of loose ends that I don't really know. I don't, and maybe this is just me being ignorant, but I feel like I don't 
fully know what they were trying to get at with the idea of of Anthony. Um, you know, obviously he grew up in a, a much tougher situation than than Brianna, and you know she's kind of like been almost this kind of I don't want to say savior figure to him, but certainly mm-hmm. su- sustaining him financially. Mm-hmm. You know, as as he kind of goes on this, so he is now living, and and it was. It was a theme throughout the movie, and it was first kind of brought up in in kind of a intentionally pretentious way from the art uh, uh, critic. But it's this idea of like art's role in um, in, in holding a, a mirror up to social issues, and I don't really know where the filmmaker comes out on that topic like pro or against because like you know you kind of get it set up where like the art um uh uh, critic of like and other people even you know whether it be um uh the the owner of the original gallery or whether it even be um the person who she's kind of and she's she's an african-american woman too but Mm -hmm. she is she is kind of suggesting to Brianna that I don't necessarily want you for your talent. I want you for your, your story Mm -hmm. because you look really good on paper. You know what I mean? Because of all these regions, these, these kind of social reasons, you look really good on paper right now. So it's this idea of like black people, black people. Well, a little bit, but it's almost putting the onus on black people a little bit to be like, why are you um, playing into these, narratives for your own benefit Mm -hmm. Mm. but then later on it kind of reverses that role so that's what i mean when i say i don't really know where the where the filmmaker is coming out on this because you're kind of like well anthony you know with his anthony, art show, anthony got out yeah. yeah i mean yeah anthony anthony's now doing all this from a very a position of privilege he lives mm-hmm. in a fucking million dollar apartment yeah. you know yeah. what i mean all of a sudden now um and and brianna comes from money and she's the one who's championing all this um you know, and and so it, I don't really I feel like know. everything's yeah, so much more subtle, and it. I'm very curious about to hear more interviews because with like everything that we're talking about, but like his art show in general being called "Say My Name," tying mm. in the idea of Candyman with like very deliberate. We hear these words like you see them plastered all over Pittsburgh anyway, too, about like, Mm -hmm. say their name, you go into East Liberty, you're like, there's a list of people they like, say their fucking name. So like, you see all these different ties with that. Whereas I kind of hear what you're saying where then the art critic then comes out talking about it being like some sort of like different like reflection. But then you go deeper into the art community idea of it where like, they're almost perpetuating their own demise but it's also almost a double standard where it's not just the art community but like is something else going on there yeah yeah it, it they really lean into this idea of like and and i don't exactly know where they're putting the accountability i think it's probably it's just like some it's of these movies the city. it's definitely this structure you can definitely definitely feel it all it's but the they're also system. putting a lot on like the black community too a little bit I feel like maybe to reflect. I don't think it's like a direct like this is your fault or this is what you guys right. need to take responsibility for. I think it's a reflection of what can you do to change it by acknowledging what how people are using you. To yeah, no, that's good. I, I, their um, their vision. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's they're at fault for anything. I'm just saying like it is just a it's just an interesting um, 
it's just an interesting way of, it feels like they're talking to different people at different points in the yeah. movie and it, it also uh, yeah, I can understand. yeah i think it uh, it just again calls to the duality of it of like every, mm. of, again it's duality and reflection all through the film but mm-hmm. i mean you you look at clive the art gallery owner and the critic and it's obviously they're engaging in some sort of gatekeeping because mm-hmm. there's you yeah, know for sure but at the same time it's like is anthony's art really that good or is he just leeching on to something that he found as a way to, you know, get recognition? Is is it is it something that's really a part of his story? I mean, you, you yeah. find out that it is because he absolutely was born in mm-hmm. Cabrini Green. He lived there. It really is his life because he's tied to it mm-hmm. completely. But they don't know that. He doesn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah that's why i almost thought it was like i was almost getting to the point where i thought maybe it was one of those things where it was like understand that you being successful in your career doesn't mean that you don't still carry the weight of this of these Mm -hmm. tragedies on on you and and on your your lineage and and on your communities so it's almost like this thing of like don't it's an imposter syndrome so don't feel don't don't fall victim to that kind of imposter syndrome because no matter what there's still a double standard and you're living it whether you're whether you're coming out on top or not you're still kind of living that you're you're still living in that in that um you know with, with that problem with that issue or with that burden, I guess, is a better way of saying it. But Right. Yeah, and, and it does come back to them at the end. Because yeah. I feel like what I almost even liked about it was that they're giving this story that we've heard from, like, the white perspective all the time. Like, where, like, um, someone coming up and having this opportunity through privilege and whatnot. And that's kind of, I think, in a slight way that they're even showcasing there. I don't think it was the main point of it, but obviously everything we've talked about. Kind of I love uh, one of my well. favorite mm-hmm. lines of the movie, which was played for laughs, but really ha- was like very uh, poignant was Troy, Brianna's brother, when they're um, when her his white boyfriend is, um, you know, trying to get him to, to do the summoning, you know, say the Candyman five times. And he says, mm-hmm. black people don't need to be summoning shit. <laughs> <laughs> to him and it's like because <laughs> yeah. well it was such a funny was like we are well so that was kind of the stereotype but at the same time they turn around and go like look he is inherently nervous about this whether he's making a joke or not and look at these privileged white girls mm-hmm. in the bathroom doing it for fun you know what i mean because they right. know that nothing yeah. they really do in life has any real repercussions whereas as yeah. he goes sure. yeah I don't think anything bad's going to happen, but why risk it? Because because why repercussions yeah. are right. a real fucking reality for me. You know what I mean? So so it's just mm-hmm. like I, I I thought that was it was poignant, but obviously funny. Can we all yeah. just say? Can we all just say Candyman five times together? Right the end, show? and then I'll... we all get murdered. I love it. Uh, and yeah. no, how am I supposed to edit it? <laughs> the episode um, never comes out. No, man, Steve, you don't say it. Yeah, You're this valuable, will be the hidden track. Okay. We die. Gotcha. You you live on to tell our tale. Yeah, it's just Brian and I. Brian yeah, and I will go yeah. back and forth. We'll just say it in, five times. In solidarity, I'll do it after I publish the show. But um, <laughs> so there was another part, and I know I talked about my uncouth, awful, uh, you know, person in yeah. the theater. Uh, there was another person in the theater. Uh, it was an older mm-hmm. black lady, and the scene where Brianna is investigating where mm-hmm. Anthony is. 
and mm-hmm. she goes to that laundromat that William yeah. owns, and she mm-hmm. opens the door to the dar- to the dark, dirty, scary yeah. basement, <laughs> and then just closes just it. Like, nope. Yeah, she, I ain't going. She just nopes at it. The older black lady in the theater said, "Uh huh, <laughs> that's right." <laughs> she was like, <laughs> "Right." She, oh my god, I'm uh, yeah, so yeah. happy you had like a, like a black person there because I feel like even oh my gosh, I want I want it. I want all the commentary. I want to hear it. Don't you do it! Don't you do it! She was, she was, she was so happy and laughed about she, it because she was going to be real pissed if if she, if she actually went down <laughs> yeah. there. She's be like, nope, yeah. that's yeah. unrealistic. It was, Seriously. it was such, it was such so, a funny oh, a part of levity. And then the lady just added to it by just yelling, "Yeah, that's right." <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> fuck all that. Yeah. And then you heard the Yinzer snoring over right. top. Yeah, of yeah. snoring popcorn yeah. flying out of his nose. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, the the whole thing was just like it's um, it, it was very layered, and that's what I very much appreciated to it. The the one kind of final you know thought that I kind of summarized this of you know was this idea, and and this is kind of where I came to because again, not being a huge, not not that I'm not a fan of it, but just not being as knowledgeable about this franchise, I was very confused about like what Daniel Robitaille's character was and how they kind of transitioned into the new incarnation of Candyman. And I think the one thing they kind of very much have in common and and what is the through line between them both is this idea of, you know, what society does to these victims. You know what I mean? The the victims that ultimately become the entity that is Candyman um, is, is kind of they they make them they make them what they are. So it's kind of like this self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's obviously a metaphor for mm-hmm. the Caprini Greens community and, and, and underserved and, and, uh, and um, isolated and purposefully cut off communities, whether they be black communities or whatever, is this idea of like, um, you're marginalizing these communities by cutting them off. So they end up imploding on themselves. But it's because mm-hmm. it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because they mm-hmm. th- that happens mm-hmm. to these communities, but it's because um, that they are cut off in these these sometimes subtle ways. You know what I mean? Um, which mm-hmm. was obviously the uh, that was the big takeaway for me, and obviously was uh, yeah. made for obviously a very heavy, very heavy uh, feeling walking out of the theater. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, is it? Yeah, really is, is it a perfect movie? No. But a really great spiritual s- sequel to the original. Um, it really mm-hmm. kind of—I yeah. don't want to say it retcons two and three out, but it kind of does. Um, it just—they're yeah, just kind of inconsequential in the in yeah. the scope mm. of the full story. I guess I don't know. Yeah, because two and three—I mean, two takes it down to the south. So like that, like I don't think they get retconned because they just exist in a different space. It's no longer in right. Chicago. They're, they're all Louisiana they're all, or know, something. New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's all New Orleans and getting to learn more about Daniel Robitaille mm-hmm. himself. Whereas uh, you even they they even say it like in this one that you know we just stopped saying Candyman. We didn't say it anymore yeah. after that. But it, obviously, that story traveled anyway. It traveled down to the south. It travels elsewhere. And it just has its own power as it moves about mm-hmm. the you know moves about mm-hmm. the people. But yeah, I think this. You said it earlier, Brian, that this one enhances the first mm-hmm. one, 
which I think is true. And but I think you definitely have to see them both because they they should have just called this Candyman four and just be yeah. honest and say it was a Probably. sequel. Yeah, they kind of they kind of made it seem like they were doing what 2018 Halloween did, where they just retconned into after after the events of one mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's really there's not as enough that there's not a lot that needs to be cut out, like you said. But um, right. oh, one other thing I'll add. And I didn't think about this until this movie did it so effectively because I really thought, yeah, the, her, you know, holding Anthony in the the building in Caprini Greens as the sirens are pulling up and stuff like that was just like, you know, super anxiety inducing. You don't realize in horror movies because I just rewatched Scream not that long ago, and and there's a million <laughs> other ones like that. Like you don't realize how many horror and even like action thriller movies where you think of the cops as a safety net. And when you take that out, even if they never come, even if it's because it's always like there's a mass killer. Well, they're usually the first ones killed. Yeah, like, and the mass killer up. is coming. Yeah. And we just got to get to a phone so we can call the cops and then everyone's going to be safe. Like the chilling realization that no one is coming to help um, it was mm-hmm. was a real uh, you know, me obviously coming from a place of privilege wouldn't you know what I mean? That's just not something that's in my everyday life. Um, that realization. Mm-hmm during that last sequence was was pretty was pretty intense yeah that because they had already set up earlier i mean with the the sherman being beat yeah. to death that i mean they they start out and they it has kind of that feeling that oh it's the 70s and cops are the good guys do mm-hmm. do do but then they twist it and you know the cops are villains they're a malevolent yeah. force and that way at the very end Creating like you're saying yeah you know like oh this is not a good thing that the cops yeah. are coming yeah do you mm-hmm. think uh do you think they'll do another one i haven't heard anything about I'm gonna it end it without adding any be. more comments but more so asking you guys do you think there's going to be another one after this do you think they're going to try to do it based yeah. on that ending it could they i think could they try. could i think they could it's- i think they <sighs> the director she is going on to um direct a marvel movie next um, she's mm. doing the, okay. and I don't know anything about the Marvel oh. universe, but the Nia DaCosta, she's going to the Marvels. Marvels. Yeah. She's, okay. she's directing a huge yeah. budget Marvel, Marvel movie. So, uh, I hope we get her back in the horror genre. Cause this was pretty, I thought it was great. And I am curious. I'm going to probably check out a couple of other films, yeah. like just cause I see, um, ghost tape. And then uh, Little Woods also in her repertoire. Yeah, I saw. That. I, I'm not not familiar yeah. with either, but I would uh, I would be more than open to seeing something else from her. But yeah. um, so I just had I just wanted to, since we're at the ending, I just kind of wanted to bring back to Brianna yeah. the character and and mm. kind of the the ending, which is tied to this whole duality theme we've been talking about like William has been doing things because he's guilty but also wants right. vengeance Anthony does things because he wants fame but also wants to be a representative of his yep. community and then we have Brianna mm-hmm. who's now trapped in the back of a police car and they're basically telling her hey we're going to put this on you as well we're going to put these murders mm-hmm. on you with mm-hmm. Anthony and that's when she mm-hmm. decides to call forth yeah. Candyman and it's like, does mm-hmm. she do it for the justice part of it? Or does she do it because she got caught and she was in trouble? Like, because I, she, fin- she finally fell out of her affluence. Yeah. She, she fell out of her safety mm-hmm. net. I honestly yeah. 
But I feel like it wasn't even as much of like she fell out of it and she's like, oh my God, I'm just like everyone else. But I feel like it was more so recognition is that no matter what position I have or how much power I have as a black woman, I'm still always going to be that person that the cops try to you can always be wrong it's just the fact you know I mean? that the color of her skin is going to make her susceptible to an a yeah. wrong place wrong time right. situation yeah mm-hmm. i i took right yeah like they could put anything on her and she will fucking be wrong and that that's that's yeah. what i, I took, took it as a yeah i and took Washington it as like that. a righteous igni- righteous indignation type thing I, that's a hard word to say i that's how i took it yeah. <laughs> um as like a I have this trump card that I can play, um, and you know what? Fuck it. That's how I took it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's yeah. right or wrong, yeah, was, but was that just, was the way same. I took it. No, no, because I, I think you can just look mm-hmm. at it both ways. That's I, that's kind of the point of you know most of the mm-hmm. film is that like everybody... We, we, we talked about head of the family and how nobody's likable everybody's a yeah, shitbird yeah. <laughs> but i mean this like this film aside from like some of the tertiary cartoon characters mm-hmm. like the like Haley and her white friends getting killed yeah. in the bathroom they're just there to sure. get killed the, the the art gallery but um brianna and anthony and william they they all have like a complex duality to them that I keep saying that word over and no, over. No, it is. But, it's not. It's yeah. not clear cut. Yeah. And and I think it's also yeah. speaks to the the villain. You know what I mean? It speaks to the Candyman entity. Mm-hmm. There's that he is. Yeah. He's an antihero in this scenario, but he also kills innocent people and and also has this right. this this ego tied up in in you know perpetuating his his mythos and all this stuff. So it's. Uh, I feel like we needed that complex duality like you're talking about, like though, to make them feel completely real to us oh, and yeah. make mm-hmm. us understand. And I mean, we're obviously three white people watching this and critiquing it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that everything they did made it perfectly applicable for us to be able to walk away and understand what they're experiencing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm yeah. usually not unless we're watching, you know, Night of the Demons or something. I, I'd rather I'd rather <laughs> which again, I love too, but it's a totally different experience. You know what I mean? And like, I, I think that uh, yeah. I think the people going back to us, you know, talking about how people had had different stand viewpoints on this and stuff like that i think it's also partly like what you want to get out of the movie a little bit and there's a lot to take out of this movie um if you are open to the experience but if you walked in wanting uh you know zombievers uh you're you're obviously you're obviously not getting it (laughs) if you were like i just want to go to the movie and see a horror (laughs) flick tonight yeah this is a pretty heavy movie um but it yeah yeah, how do yeah? I mean, how do you not expect that with with Jordan Peele's name attached to it, though? You know what I mean. Right. So, mm, I feel like yeah. I mean, you have to understand it and expect it because he's doing it because we need to see it. We have to. Well, and I'm sure people said the same piece. shit about. Although it's it's it was maybe a little bit more veiled, but you know, George Romero and John Carpenter, and you know, they all have they all have pretty pretty strong social and socioeconomic uh, and and political um, mm-hmm. uh, leaning messages. I mean, I'm sure the first time somebody you know went to some you know shitty theater somewhere and we're like gonna go see they live you know and they were like man it was pretty political you know what i mean i'm sure people said that as well about that i mean you can you can date that even back to like the 50s with the blob and you know uh different invasion movies all of that i mean uh uh, creature from the black lagoon even you know what i mean like that there's there's That, that was mm-hmm. all that was all red scare propaganda yeah. so like I mean it's mm-hmm. it doesn't hold up anymore sure. but you know it, it, it was it always carries a social weight like horror films and sci-fi always are the best 
ones always carry a social yeah. weight to them. I wonder if so. the the legacy of of Jordan Jordan Peele uh, certainly because he's you know a few movies in, and I know he didn't direct this, but but and Nia DaCosta mm-hmm. and and people who are doing stories now that that are so topical and are a little I don't say they're on the nose because that sounds that sounds kind of um, uh, derogatory, and I don't mean it that way, but like I can't imagine a situation. Uh, even a hundred years from now where you could watch this movie and not see the blatant um, racial and, and socioeconomic and social themes. Like they're mm-hmm. so they're, they're yeah. so at the forefront. Whereas like, I think a lot of people now would watch, you know, night of the living dead even uh, and, and, and could miss it, you know, certainly creature yeah. from the black lagoon or something like mm-hmm. that is another example of one we just said, but like they're more subtle. So they mm-hmm. could be lost. This, could never be lost. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is just me ignorant right. in 2021, not realizing what how the world is going to change 100 years from now. But you know what I mean? Like, I just can't imagine a scenario where th- this isn't well, so but, as charged uh, but I mean, as it is. Yeah, but I mean, what you're saying is like the the. I mean, this film and the original, they both come loaded with context. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so those things don't get lost. Like if somebody who was young and wasn't around in the 90s. Uh, watched can- the original Candyman mm-hmm. now, they're still going to get the social context of, you know, people who had to live in these awful conditions, mm-hmm. you know, that were like guarded by gangs, that people were, you know, doing drug deals on the street that like, you know, like just kept things dangerous for the people who were trying to make yeah. it out. You know, mm-hmm. it, it gives them context. And it also, this film will give context to people in the future. You know, if there's a, you know, like a, however it turns yeah, out, yeah. <laughs> but if, if, if you reach true equality and equity, mm-hmm. you know, you can still come back to this film and then per- people who are born 50 years from mm-hmm. now will still be able to look at this and get co- uh, like historical sure. context from it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it seems on the nose for us yeah. because we're living it and we understand sure. it, Yeah. but it helps mm-hmm. people in yeah, the future. Good point. So. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Any other final thoughts? I think we all felt pretty, pretty similar on it. Uh, we all really enjoyed it. I almost feel like, uh, when I walked out of the movie and I think I want to cry, but it's okay. It's good. It was, it's good. I'm glad we talked about it. I'm glad we saw it. I'm, I, I, Seriously, no matter what you can take away from this movie, everyone needs to, I yep, think, it's to a great, see it. It's a great one. Uh, yeah. I, I think it was really well-told yeah. story. Um, Go watch the original. Yeah, too. watch the original. I think it'll give <laughs> yes, more context yes, yes, for yes. sure. I'm glad I did not that mm-hmm. long ago. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's such a good com- continuation between it's the really two. It's really impressive. And the writing. It, it yeah. gives you, yeah. Yep. Well, yep. so right. to get on to cool. uh, a less heavy topic, perhaps next week, boys and ghouls, the belt's on the line. <laughs> the belt's on the line next week. Showdown. Oh in our in our next <laughs> showdown episode in the first full week of September, we've got modern slashers. As a reminder, we've mm. got modern slashers, um, 2000 to present, uh, and the movies you want to watch if you haven't already. Uh, I am doing Hush from I think 2016. Yeah, 2016, Meg, uh, mm-hmm. the remake of Maniac, uh, which was from what year? Do you remember? It's the remake. 2012. 2012. Two sounds like the 14, 2012, Maniac. Yeah. Real good, guys. I knew it was like the And Steve is doing the remake of The Town of the Dreaded Sundown from what year? 
2014, 2014, 2012, 2014, okay, 2016. Uh, <laughs> two years apart every time. So um, if you haven't already... Uh, and you care to go check those movies out because we are going to fucking. I've already. I went on. E, on uh, uh, I went on oh, Amazon Prime ready. and I said, <laughs> "How much is a? Talking, how much is a twenty? How much Austin is a twenty right pound <laughs> sack of tax cost?" Because we're having no hard. I'm gonna. We're we're electric. We're no. We need a cage match. Can we? We're electrifying the ropes. Can we like actually have? It's it's hell in the cell with, but the but the cell's electrified. That's what's happening. Um, You know what I want is I want this to all turn into like seasonal like. You know, Summer Slam. We, and then we have the Ultimate Fast forward a year yeah, from like, now with full pay-per-views, so like... pyrotechnics, <laughs> entry music. It'll yeah. all be on Twitch, though. That's yeah. pretty much where it'll be. We all get our entry music. I mean, it's got to be happening at a Spirit <laughs> Halloween in October. That's got to be our WrestleMania series. Yeah, kicking the door in. Yes. Our, our WrestleMania is always on in the spirit. I want to walk in. I, I mean, when I walk into a spirit Halloween, I do generally kick the door open and say, oh, you want to know? Your ass better call. So I, do the, I just do an entry music. I just feel it's appropriate oh God, when you walk into good. a spirit Halloween. Um, you think you're funny with your red vine candy corn? What? What? Um, I do. Uh, I I just do. I I do a DX. So I just walk up and the 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 people at the register go, "Hey, Brian, what's up?" And I, I very politely just do the do the uh, do, do the, do the X. I, let, the, let the staff know to suck it. You do it so slowly. I it up like, real quick for here's them. your suck it. Um, but yes, it should be it should be very very fun. I'm excited. Um, so uh, once again, if you uh, and also one other thing is we are fastly approaching and let me bring up just out of curiosity, we are recording this on Sunday night right before it's going to release Monday, yeah, Monday morning. The numbers, and dude. we are currently at let's see, we are approaching six thousand six hundred and sixty six followers. We are exactly 30 followers Hello, away from Satan. that. We are six, yeah. six, three, mm, six. Mm, Frankly, mm. by the time we wake up tomorrow morning, we may be at six, 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 six. Um, and uh, so what we're going to do is a little a little giveaway um, to celebrate six thousand six hundred and sixty six followers on Instagrams. Once again, uh, at Halloween is forever on Instagram. But we also have have uh, Twitter, which is uh, at Hallow Forever. We also have Facebook pages at Halloween is Forever Podcast or Halloween is Forever Podcast. And then um, we have an email if uh, you feel so inclined to send us one of them, uh, which is Halloween Forever, Halloween is Forever Pod at gmail.com. But to celebrate mm. uh, that uh, 6,666 following, we're going to have a pretty cool giveaway. And Meg is working on something pretty rad, which we'll post about in the coming weeks here. And it's it's no joke. It's, uh, it's a pretty sweet it's a pretty sweet giveaway so we'll talk about that so follow us on there and keep an eye out for that go watch the movies we're going to talk about next week if you feel so inclined and of course um we appreciate all the support and and listens and nice things that you say on the social medias as well as reviews on on apple and all those sorts of things so thank you so much Yins are keeping thank you me so alive. much it's it's, 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 it's pretty alive. fantastic and as we get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper <laughs> into the spooky season we are Ugh, going to don't say that. <laughs> genuinely hated that uh, do you know what that movie that's a movie reference by the way deeper and deeper. someone's being I'll give you a hint someone is being uh, hypnotized 
It's not Get no. Out. No. Do they do? I mean, they do, they do but it's not from Get Out. out. I'm going to let you guys marinate in that one for a while. And deeper. Okay. You get deeper and deeper. Um, it's not hush. No, it's not hush. It's not a horror movie at all. It's a comedy. <laughs> Hey, they will. They'll we'll know what we're talking about. Tell me, and I'll um, be like. <laughs> in any case, uh, yeah, check us out on there, and tune back in next week for our monthly showdown episode. Uh, anything else before we sign off? If you want to see me kick these two jabronis' asses <laughs> next week, give me a hell yeah. <laughs> What did you say there? Nice of pencil, drop him on his pencil neck. Well, give me a hell yeah. Um, we should. I feel like Steve is coming for us, and I am gonna fucking just I've been, I've been playing slash. mind games. I am not ignoring I've been playing you, mind Steve. Games. I've been I know you're mind there. Games. I love it. I posted I know you're a thing. There. You guys may have saw it a while ago. It was on story where I bought a I bought a big skeleton. Um, he's sitting on my chair right behind me, and he's got the belt over his shoulder. And I and I made it look like he was laughing. And I said, "This is what I. This is me." when I think when Meg says she's going to take my belt and here's how you got to deal with it guys listen Meg see earmuffs real quick um so here's what you got to do you got to get Meg all psyched up make her mad but Steve just pretend he isn't there that's what that's my theory my theory is get psych Meg out and then pretend Steve isn't there he's gonna psych himself out that's my theory that's what I'm going for. All right, guys, you can take you your earmuffs. You can Steve, take, you we're going to take an alliance here. Let's fucking go, bro. I'll fucking take one. You are definitely walking a <laughs> line, Brian. Um, but yes, this this is my master my master plan. It's worked two months in a row. It's going to work a third month in a row, uh, but we shall see. Um, he knows it's too well. <laughs> He's playing to my ego right now i can feel that do not like being ignored so yes (laughs) in any case guys we got a big showdown next week can brian hold on to the belt for the third straight month does meg does meg reclaim her title also if we're if we're going to be like meeting in person i don't you guys have already prepared me that you're trying to like destroy me with pepper snacks and i'm yeah, no, you're ready. And I don't, I, I feel like this is a fair fight. I think we need to do a uh, skipper, snack skipper. No, 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 no. Look, I said I was going to bring some Carolina Reaper beer. I did run out of it at the homebrew event, so you're safe there. But it was yeah. it was a strategy to burn mm. you out. <laughs> I've got a ghost, make you crazy. I, I've got a ghost pepper no, no, slim. Yeah. I've got a boat ghost pepper sausage because I thought, listen, it's September. I don't Se- step down from September from is a practically Halloween. Mm-hmm. Ghost is spooky, right. so it's spooky and spicy. <laughs> so that's why I got the ghost pepper. Spooky and spicy. Spooky, spicy. spooky spicy. That's a good combo. So if we oh, were the if we were if we were starting a a, a, a a pop group, one of us would be spooky, one of us would be spicy, and I don't know. Also, I would be, be spooky spice. <laughs> can we can we decide this right now? Can we decide who's spooky? You're spicy. spicy and Steve what's the is third spooky. Option? I'm. Stinky, I don't know. Um, in any case, we let's wrap this thing up because I think we're at a two and a half hour mini sode okay. right now. We're about two um, hours. But this has been a lot right of fun. Now, yes. uh, we need to end on some levity after a very heavy movie. Um, it went from like super peak to we're all here's what we sad do, Meg. Here's what we do. Here's how we even it up. We eat up. crazy spicy stuff, but then also I I have to eat mushrooms as well. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'll bring that. him to I'm the next recording, bro, man. Um, any case, uh, awesome. Well, this was a lot of fun. Next week is when the rubber hits the road. I said, can I hold on to the belt for three straight months? Does Meg, nope. does re- Meg recapture her belt from the first? Does Steve take his first smell, his first sniff of the championship belt? Who knows? Only time will tell, but be sure to check in. Um, all right. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.